0: Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get to this week's episode. Michael Hetley grew up in California. He married and had two children. In 1992, he became a patrol officer with the South Lake Tahoe Police Department. It's a small resort town in Central California next to the Nevada border a place where you can breathe in fresh air while hiking, fishing, or knocking around a few golf balls. Two years later, he moved north 700 miles and joined the Bellevue Police Department in Washington State. In 1999, he served eight months with the U.S. Naval Reserve in Kosovo, Bosnia-Herzegovina, and Germany. Things changed when Mike returned home and went back to work on the police force. After he was back for only a short time, a complaint was filed against him. An internal review was done, and it was determined that the citizen had made a false complaint. The police department dropped the matter, and that angered him. He felt that they should have prosecuted the citizen for making false allegations. Mike was disgruntled. He later complained the department hadn't recognized his achievements for completing his master's degree, nor did they acknowledge his five-year service anniversary. The Seattle Times reported that in August 2000, police received a 911 call from a woman who indicated that her cousin Nelson was threatening her with a knife. Officers Kyle Woodroffe and Jim Boyd arrived first at the apartment and saw a man get into a Chevrolet Corsica and race off. They lost sight of the car as it went around a corner. Mike also responded to the call. When he arrived, he spotted the car fleeing and tried to pull his patrol car in front of it to block his escape. He then exited his car and began to approach Nelson. As he neared, Nelson reached into his waistband. Mike perceived the move as a threat, raised his gun, and pulled the trigger, twice. Kyle and Jeff heard the shots and went running. When they turned the corner, they saw Mike standing on the passenger side of his patrol car with his gun drawn. Kyle asked Mike what happened. Then he reached in to check Nelson for any weapons. He didn't find the gun, only a black wallet under his shirt near his waist. A knife was later found hidden in a clothes laying on the passenger seat. Nelson was an immigrant from Guatemala. He died on U.S. soil at 24. In recalling what happened, Mike claimed he thought they'd hit head on. But later, when his patrol car was examined, there was no physical evidence to support his claim. 33-year-old Mike had been with the department for seven years and was facing an inquiry. A month later, 23-year-old Aaron Lee Weaver got up one morning and decided to rob a bank. He picked the Bank of America in Seattle. The Kitsap Sun reported that at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, he strolled into the bank, waved a 9 millimeter pistol around, and told everyone to get down. He was handed cash and he hightailed it out of there. On foot, he ran towards the Bellevue Square, a large mall with 200 stores, a place where he could blend in to the crowd. He went to the second floor and walked into Nordstrom's department store, casually sauntered past the men's suit department and into the store's restaurant. As the diners were enjoying their meal, he went to the washroom and changed his clothes, then sat down at a table near the back of the restaurant. He ordered a sandwich, pop, and dessert. Meanwhile, police were notified by a shopper that a man matching the robber's description had entered the mall and was in a restaurant. Mike and fellow officer Dwight Hunter were among the officers dispatched. Dwight was stationed in the back hallway to block Aaron's exit. Mike walked into the restaurant. Aaron spotted him, pulled out his gun, jumped up and ran into the back hallway. Dwight was waiting for him. He fired twice. Mike ran towards the shots. As the bullets hit Aaron and he started to fall, Mike pumped off 11 shots. And as he closed in on Aaron he kicked the gun away. In Aaron's backpack money was found and based on the 9mm pistol and witness descriptions, police identified him as the bank robber. The shooting was the department's third in 48 years and it was Mike's second in less than a year. Both Dwight and Mike were put on paid leave for a few weeks An inquest and a police committee would review the shooting. Mike was required to go through a psychological evaluation. Soon after returning to work in October, he pulled over a woman in a traffic stop. It did not go well for either of them. The woman angered Mike, and she filed a complaint against him, saying that she was treated unfairly due to her race. After it was reviewed, it was decided that he had been disrespectful and rude, and a letter of reprimand was put in his file. The Seattle post intelligence sir, obtained a copy of that letter. The police chief wrote, and I quote, that makes comments to the woman about her ethnicity, ability to understand English, and the fact that she was not in Ethiopia any longer, gave the impression that he seemed rude, demeaning, disrespectful, and contrary to department rules and policy. The next April, the police committee's review and a coroner's inquest jury both ruled that the shooting of Aaron was justified. A month later, the Bellevue Police Department held their annual awards ceremony. The Bellingham Herald reported that for the shooting of Aaron, five police officers were being honored with the city's second highest honor, the Police Medal. But Dwight and Mike weren't happy with the honor. They felt they deserved the city's top honor, the Medal of Valor, and ditched the ceremony. Six months later in November, the prosecutor's office announced that Mike would not be charged for the death of Nelson. The six-member inquest jury unanimously decided that he had reason to fear for his life. Mike still had to answer to the Bellevue Police Department and their questions that they had about the shooting. Up until now, Mike had stayed silent, a right all citizens and officers have. But the department's investigation was put on hold when Mike started a tour with the Navy for a year. Then his tour was extended to his second year. Meanwhile, Mike had filed a claim against the city for emotional distress and when he finally returned, he and the city reached an agreement. He agreed to resign and drop his claim in exchange for the city paying him $30,000. They also agreed to provide only specific details to many potential employers and to nominate him for a Police Medal of Valor for Aaron's shooting. Nelson's mother had filed a $6 million lawsuit against the city for the death of her son. She still resided in a remote mountain village in Guatemala, but the thought of justice being dragged out for years was too much for her. And the city? Well, they'd already shelled out $150,000 defending themselves and Mike. In the end, she settled for $75,000. In 2003, Mike left the police department. He and his wife moved to D.C. Seven years later, he began working with NASA in Homeland Security, then risk mitigation and aeronautics research. He and his wife moved into a townhouse on Bedstraw Court in Springfield, a suburb of Washington. The three-story townhouses face the street, cement stairs and black metal railings leading up to a front door on the second floor. Mike's unit was faced in red brick and caramel trim around the windows. Next door, his neighbor's home had gray siding, big bay windows, and a burgundy door. Janelle moved in in 2013, and Mike's wife dropped by with some cookies at Christmas. Then the quiet neighborhood took a turn in 2015, when Chanel's home became a problem. Scores of people came and went at all hours. The smell of marijuana lofted over the neighborhood. The neighbors complained about the smell, the dogs running loose and their waste in their yards, loud music and parties full of drunk people wandered over to the neighbors and asked to borrow their washrooms and cell phones and left bottles strewn about the property. Two years later in 2017, Janelle married Javon Prather, and he moved into her townhouse. At 24 years old, he was a specialist in the Maryland National Guard and worked at a giant store. He was a funny one in his family and liked to crack jokes. The Washington Post reported that the couple often fought and one time Janelle threw Javon's clothes on Mike's property. Mike filed a complaint with the homeowners association and also called the police. He installed a security camera near his front door, a wide-angle view that took in his front steps, his driveway, and neighbors Janelle and Javon's front lawn. Two years later, in February 2019, Janelle went to a funeral. Javon was home when Mike told him, Do the neighborhood and HOA a favor and move out. When Janelle arrived home, she was furious. She marched over to Mike's and swore at him. A month later, she launched bottles and, of all things, candlesticks at Mike's car. He called police and she was charged with the destruction of property. Mike got a restraining order. Janelle pled guilty to a misdemeanor and paid restitution of $1,800. Two months later, the homeowners association sued Janelle for violating the rules. But the lawsuit didn't stop things. Instead, they escalated. One day, Javon was outside and drunk. He and Mike got into a big argument. Mike claimed Javon was threatening him and applied for a restraining order, but it was denied. That year, police responded to 49 complaints at Janelle's home. She spent thousands of dollars defending herself against the lawsuit and was worried about losing her home. She googled Mike's name to see what she could find out about him. She found nothing online about his time in the police force. Perhaps if she had, she and Javon would have backed off and left Mike alone. Instead, in February 2020, Janelle sat in her car in front of her townhouse and cranked the music. Mike responded by opening his window and yelling at her to turn it down. Weeks later, on March 1st, Janelle and Siobhan listed their house for sale. But Siobhan wasn't done torturing his neighbors. Two days later, Mike was frustrated. He wrote an email to the homeowners association, telling them that the feud between himself and Siobhan could result in a tragedy. Hours later, Chavon was sitting in his car, blasting music. Then Janelle joined him and the couple began drinking. Mike responded by calling the police non-emergency line. But before police arrived, Siobhan and Janelle drove off. When they returned, Mike told them that he'd reported them. Siobhan was angry. He went inside and banged on the common wall between their homes. Then Mike's security camera... Captured Javon as he exited his townhouse and purposely strode down his front steps, across his lawn, the driveway, and up Mike's front steps. The video cuts out for a few seconds. Mike said Javon banged on his door so hard the house shook and the door opened slightly and was ajar. Standing there in his dark pants and a striped short-sleeved shirt, Siobhan stuffed his right hand into his pants pocket and waited for Mike to come to the door. When Mike opened the door, his eyes went to Chavon's hand in his pocket. As he started to pull out his hand, Mike yelled, Get back! Siobhan finished pulling his hand out, and Mike thought he had a weapon. He raised his gun and fired. Javon raised his hands up in the air and moved back. Mike fired again. Javon stumbled down the stairs and Mike continued to fire. One of the bullets struck him in the back. Javon landed face down on Mike's driveway. Mike followed him down the stairs He stopped a few steps from the bottom and fired a seventh bullet. Fox 5 News video shows Janelle heard the shots and came out of her house running. She spotted Siobhan and ran towards him. Mike raised his gun, pointed at her and told her, You want it too? He yelled, You get out of here. Get away. Get out. Janelle briefly stepped back onto her front lawn, then walked toward Siobhan again. She rolled him over, grabbed his arms, and pulled him to their side of the property. She yelled back at Mike, We're getting away. Janelle slapped her husband in the face and demanded he wake up. Mike yelled over, Siobhan's not going to wake up. Then he turned, walked back up the steps into his home, and shut the door. Police and paramedics arrived. Siobhan was pronounced dead. Mike was charged with first degree murder and use of a weapon in the commission of a felony. He remained in jail while waiting for his trial. His wife sold the townhouse. The lawsuit was dropped when the Homeowners Association and Janelle came to an agreement. Mike's trial began in October 2021. His defense lawyer claimed that he'd feared for his life and had fired his gun in self-defense and that Mike felt the Homeowners Association hadn't taken his complaint seriously after he had been harassed and threatened by Javon for years. The prosecution contended that the attack was racially motivated as Janelle and Javon were both mixed race and Mike's own son testified that his father referred to Javon using a racial slur. The jury and the judge watched the video from Mike's home security and found him guilty on both charges. At 52, Mike is sitting behind bars in a jail cell. He will be sentenced in January 2022. The prosecution has stated they are planning to seek a life sentence. Thanks for listening to Murder in 20 with less talk and more true crime. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for the episode of Jordan Graham. She and Cody married young, then she got cold feet and wondered if she'd done the right thing. Eight days after their wedding, they went for a short hike to watch the sunset. They argued, and one of them fell to their death. If you're dying to hear more, Past episodes of Murder in 20 are available for free at Murderin20.com and on all major podcast platforms. We love what we do and are dying to continue. If you enjoy listening to Murder in 20 every week, we'd be eternally grateful for your support by visiting Murder in 20 at Patreon, PayPal, or Murderin20.com. We'd like to acknowledge Purple Planet for use of their music sound effects and Vaseline studios and quick sounds and our many editorial sources who are listed on our website be sure to like share and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every wednesday stay safe sleep with the lights on and don't play with strangers